Good morning. Welcome to Zion Lutheran Church on this eighth Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, just one quick reminder from me before we begin our worship, which is newsletter articles are due today. So if you have something for the newsletter, make sure that you get that in so we can get it published. Uh, are there any other announcements or prayer requests from the congregation this morning? Yeah, Judy. Gloria is back in. Okay. We'll add Gloria to our prayers. Right. If there are no other announcements, I'll invite you to take the moment to prepare your hearts and your minds for worship as we listen to the prelude. I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us, and for his sake God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister in the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all your sins, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Kyrie eleison. Christe eleison. Kyrie eleison. Faithful God, most merciful judge, you care for your children with firmness and compassion. By your spirit, nurture us who live in your kingdom, that we may be rooted in the way of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The first reading is from Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Who is like me? Let them proclaim it. Let them declare and set it forth before me. Who has announced from of old the things to come? Let them tell us what is yet to be. Do not fear or be afraid. Have I not told you from of old and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? 
There is no other rock, I know not one, the word of the Lord. We'll read responsibly from Psalm 86, verses 11 through 17. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart to revere your name. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the pit of death. But you, O Lord, are gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and full of kindness and truth. Show me a sign of your favor, so that those who hate me may see it and be put to shame, because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Second reading is from Romans. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing, for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The word of the Lord. According to St. Matthew, Jesus put before the crowds another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. 
But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man, the field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers the angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last Sunday, we heard one of the clearest and most important statements in all the New Testament, which was, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No death sentence, no final judgment that is going to send you, Christian, to eternal damnation. No condemnation that will separate you from God's love. Because Jesus has rescued you, he has given you his righteousness, so you are saved. So in continuing in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul begins to spell out what this means for who we are now. We know that in the future, there will be no death sentence for us. So what is our life now? What's the goal of our life? What's the purpose of our life now? And what St. Paul will tell us is that because we have been adopted by God as his children and promised his inheritance today, we live in hope and not in fear. And thus the Christian life is learning to walk in this hope and not walking in fear. In many ways, our life as a Christian it's like being a kid in the backseat of a car on a long road trip on vacation. I don't know if your kids were like this or if they asked this question, but I know it's a question we've heard our fair share of, which is, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Because as a child, you don't have a grown-up sense of time. So the drive to the beach on vacation takes 10 hours, but as a kid, well, what does 10 hours mean? And so after 45 minutes of your 10-hour journey, the child begins to ask, are we there yet? How much longer? And as frustrating as that is, the parents who are driving, kids ask this for two reasons, of course. First, out of anticipation, right? We want to be where we are going. We want to be at the beach or wherever. 
we're going, let's get there, it's going to be great, we're going to have fun, are we there yet? And the other reason the question gets asked is because the car is uncomfortable. You need to stretch your legs. Driving on the interstate for hours on end is boring. It's not all that fun. So are we there yet so we can get out of this car? The Christian throughout his or her life is going to ask that same basic question over and over, are we there yet? And St. Paul puts it like this. He says, as Christians, we are heirs. We have an inheritance waiting for us, but our inheritance doesn't come fully to us until the life to come. And so we have the promise of this great inheritance. We have the final will and testament that is written in which we are heirs. We've even been given a pledge of this inheritance through God's word of promise that our sins are forgiven and through the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. We know that there is a great inheritance waiting for us, but it's not yet fully available to us. The other illustration that Paul uses here in this chapter is that of childbirth. The world and its struggles, he says, are in labor pains. The labor pains, however, are not without purpose. They may feel like they last forever. They may feel like something you truly have to endure, but on the other side of the pain comes the joy of new birth and new life. This means that the Christian life, the life of faith, does not deny the present struggles that we're in. We still face the struggles of a world cursed by sin. Like a child in the backseat of the car, we are uncomfortable in this world. As Christians, we're going to be uncomfortable. Our bodies are going to fail us. We will age. We will get sick. We will have accidents. Our hearts and spirits will fail us. We will continue to sin in this world. We will end up harming ourselves and others with our sins. We see that there is suffering in us. There's suffering all around us. And all of that is very much real. But Paul says once we receive the full inheritance, all of those things are over. These are the labor pains that precede the new birth. <clears throat> this is the struggle of creation subjected to the curse of sin before it's redeemed and made new. And so as St. Paul writes, so hopefully, the glory about to be revealed to us doesn't compare to the present sufferings. Our future in the Lord is greater than we can imagine. It's greater than our dreams because it's an inheritance which has no comparison. It's an inheritance that's far greater than money, land, titles, power, it's an inheritance of being perfect in God's presence. It's greater than we can understand in these mortal bodies. But what Paul wants to show us is that although we don't currently have the full inheritance bestowed to us, and although the day is coming when we will, we still currently share all things with Christ. We're not abandoned in these sufferings on our own. He says, look, you are adopted by God. That's what happened at your baptism. He put his name on you with all of that entails. And so just as an adopted child is given the same name as the parents and given the same legal status as a biological child, so we have been adopted by God. And we have been given the status as his children, which means that as baptized Christians, Christ has become our brother. As humans, we share a status with Christ as children of God, and so God shares all things 
with us through Christ. This means that in this life, Christ is sharing all with you. So St. Paul says, when we suffer in this life, we are co-sufferers with Christ. That is to say that God reveals himself to us in our suffering. Through the things that seem most far away from God, through the calamity, through persecution, through pain, illness, suffering, Christ becomes most real to us by faith. Because it's in these sufferings that the cross of Christ takes on its true power for us. We know that we do not suffer alone. Christ has suffered for us. He has suffered with us. He knows our suffering. And most importantly, Christ has taken the eternal pain of our suffering away from us. We do not suffer without hope. Instead, as Paul says, we suffer hopefully. This means that God will often use our suffering to make our faith real, so that we learn to trust in his word, to trust in his promises, and to hope for the greater glory to come. And this gets to the heart of it. If we lived in our current mortal bodies in this sinful world with the full inheritance of the glory to come, we would misunderstand it. We would put our hope in all the wrong places. We would put our hope in the comforts of this world and not in the work of Christ. We would be tempted to believe that all things were going great for us because we're such wonderful people and not because God is our gracious Father. We're always tempted to believe in a false gospel of prosperity. That's especially true if you ever turn on television preachers now and then, you'll see this false gospel of prosperity. For example, in his book, Your Best Life Now, Joel Osteen, television preacher, writes to Christians, you will often receive preferential treatment simply because your father is the king of kings and his glory and honor will spill over onto you. Well, that's nonsense. You can read the Bible and you can read the books of Acts and you can see St. Paul himself was beaten, arrested, run out of town, shipwrecked. And so St. Paul is redirecting us from the prosperity of this world to holding on to a future hope. So what Paul says is that God is going to glorify us when we suffer with Christ. We begin to see the true things of God when we look at the suffering of Christ and the cross and say, here is where the gospel is shown to me. God is going to show the reality. He shows us who we really are and who he really is in our current sufferings. And he does this especially by making us a people of hope. The life of faith is the life of hope. In suffering, for instance, God shows us to pray to him as his true children. As ones adopted by God, we get to cry out to him, Abba, Father. We get to cry to him intimately and authentically as our true loving father. We cry to him as our dear father who's going to hear our every word and who knows our every concern. We are his children, and so he is going to listen to us. And he doesn't listen to us as one that's far outside of it. He listens to as one who, through his son, has suffered with us. And that's something our heart doesn't really learn in this life, except when we become co-sufferers with Christ. And many of you know that this is true, in the moments that you have really suffered, you have prayed your realest prayers. In your grief, you turn to God 
because you knew there were no answers to be found in this world. In your pain, in your anxieties, in your panic, in your anger, in the times when there was nothing to hold on to but God's love and God's promises, that's when your heart truly cried out to your loving Father. And this is where the life of faith is formed. When we can learn to pray, God, are we there yet? Then we're beginning to learn to pray as children of God because we learn the value of eternity. In that moment, we are learning that God has a great inheritance for us. And so we learn to hope. And we learn to hope not because we have seen it, but because by God's word, it has been promised to us. And that is what life in Christ is truly all about. It is that moment where we learn not to trust in ourselves, trust in our own hearts, trust in the promises of this world, but finally and ultimately to trust in God's word to us. And God wants you to live your life not in fear, but in hope. In hope as children of God, in hope as fellow heirs with Christ. Because there is a day coming when decay, when pain, when suffering, when all the nastiness of this world is going to be eliminated. It's going to be thrown into the fires. And God wants us to hope for this day. He wants us to know that his promises are true. Because once we do that, we learn what it means to be his child. And it means that you can live your life in hope and not in fear. Because whatever happens in your life, whatever happens to your body, whatever happens in the circumstances of this life, God says you have a great inheritance as his child. He has a glory for you in the life to come that you will share with Christ. And so no matter what the circumstances are now in your life, you have been adopted by God. And your baptism is the pledge of it. And no matter the trials you face, no matter how much the decay of this world is weighing on you right now, no matter how much sin rages in and around you, you are God's child. And as St. Paul tells us, the present troubles you now face will not compare to the glory about to be revealed to you. You are a child of God. You are a child of hope. Amen.
Let's stand and confess our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living. Let us pray for the church, the world, and for all who are in need. Redeemer and Lord of hosts, the future is in your hands. And so remove all fear from us and keep us mindful that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Lord, in your mercy. Lord of heaven and earth, we give thanks that your Son, Jesus Christ, died to redeem the world and restore creation. Until new life supplants the groanings of this age, lead us to steward your creation well, not in waste, but in wise and diligent use with thanksgiving. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, pour out your blessing on all pastors and the congregations which they serve. May your holy word spread by their faithful ministries, and may you build up this and every congregation with the proclamation of your gospel. Lord, in your mercy. We give you thanks for all who serve as instruments of your compassion, and those who care for the elderly at home, and those who work in retirement and nursing facilities. Grant that we may also serve as your hands, feet, and voices to give comfort and company to the lonely. Lord, in your mercy. Guide the leaders of all nations, and especially this nation, and especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, that they would work for peace and justice in the face of conflict. By their efforts, protect the weak and defenseless. Lord, in your mercy. We commend to you, O Lord, all who endure any kind of trouble, especially Gloria, Charlie, Jane, Lynn, Carol, Eileen, Nancy, Jamie, Martha, Marilyn, Virgil, Tony, and Carolyn. Deliver them according to your will and strengthen and preserve their faith that they may rejoice that the sufferings of this time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, you have called us according to your purpose. You cause all things to work together for our good. Keep us safe until that day when you gather us with the saints into your kingdom, which has no end. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Now the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us pray. Praise and thanks to you, holy God, for by your word you made all things. You spoke light into darkness and called forth beauty from chaos and brought life into being. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. By your word, you called your people Israel to tell of your wonderful gifts, freedom from captivity, water on the desert journey, a pathway home from exile, wisdom for life with you. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Through Jesus, your word made flesh, you speak to us and call us to witness forgiveness through the cross, life to those entombed by death, the way of your self-giving love. For your word of life, O God, we give you thanks and praise. Send your spirit of truth, O God, rekindle your gifts within us. Renew our faith, increase our hope, and deepen our love for the sake of a world in need. Faithful to your word, O God, draw near to all who call on you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen. And now gathered by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Now, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.